0: turn in your Bible to Genesis chapter 8. Genesis chapter 8. We'll look at the whole chapter. We don't normally do this. We'll usually take just a paragraph at a time or a section at a time. But we're going to look at the whole passage here. I think it has to flow together. So we'll read the entire passage. Genesis chapter 8. We'll begin reading in verse 1. For God remembered, but God remembered Noah... And all the beasts and all the cattle that were with him in the ark. And God caused a wind to pass over the earth and the water subsided. Also the foundations of the deep and the floodgates of the sky were closed. And the rain from the sky was restrained. And the water receded steadily from the earth. And at the end of 150 days the water decreased. In the seventh month, on the seventeenth day of the month, the ark rested upon the mountains of Ararat. And the ark and the water decreased steadily and, until the tenth month. In the tenth, and in the tenth month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains became visible. Then it came about at the end of forty days that Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made... And he sent out a raven, and it flew here and there until the waters was dried up from the earth. Then he sent out a dove from him to see if the waters had abated from the face of the land. But the dove found no resting place for the soles of her feet, so she returned to him into the ark, for the water had, was on the surface of all the earth. Then he put out his hand and took her and brought her into the ark to himself. So he waited another seven days. And again, he sent out a dove from the ark. And the dove came to him toward evening. And behold, in her beak was a freshly picked olive leaf. So Noah knew that the water was abated from the earth. Then he waited another seven days and sent out the doves but this and sent out the dove but she did not return to him again now it came about on the 600th and 1st year in the first month on the first day of the month the waters dried up on the earth then noah removed the covering of the ark and took and looked and behold the surface of the ground was dried up in the second month, and on the seventeenth day of the month, the, the earth was dry. Then God spoke to Noah, saying, Go out of the ark, you and your wife and your sons and your sons' wives, with you. Bring out with you every living thing of all flesh that is with you, birds and animals and every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth, that they may breed abundantly on the earth. And be faithful and be uh, fruitful and multiply on the the earth, so Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him, every beast, every creeping thing, and every bird, everything that moves on the earth, went out by their families from the ark. Then Noah built a, an altar to the Lord and took of every clean animal of every Clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And the Lord smelled the soothing aroma. And the Lord said to himself, I will never again curse the ground on account of man, for the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth. And I will never again destroy every living thing as I have done. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat. And summer and winter and day and night shall not cease. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, bless the reading of your word. We thank you so much for this precious word. This ancient word that you have preserved. That you have. That that has come from your very mouth. Lord, we thank you. Bless our time. Pray for clarity. Pray for understanding. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. From start to finish, this passage, this chapter, is about the faithfulness of God. You see it throughout the whole flow of this passage. Now, that's in contrast to man. Man is, is not faithful by nature. By sinful nature, that is. Um, we have to discipline ourselves to be, to be faithful. We're only faithful to one thing, and that is self. We're faithful to, to one person, and that is myself. And in fact, even that, we're fickled, because ourselves, we are, we're committed to our will, and that will is actually enslaved to sin. And and Satan kind of drives us along. Our sinful flesh kind of drives us along, and we're enslaved in that, and we just, we just do whatever sin, wherever sin takes us. But to have any kind of success, there has to be faithfulness. Faithfulness is important. It's essential for a healthy society to have faithful husbands and, and faithful wives and moms and dads. Faithful employees and employers. We have to have faithful leaders, don't we? Delegates in Charleston and in Washington, D.C. We have to have faithful school board leaders. And teachers and factory workers and and factory employees and uh, uh, leaders within the factories every day we have to eat every day children have to eat wouldn't it be great to just feed your children on on Monday at the beginning and you don't have to feed them till the end and and just once a week that'd be great right doesn't work that way groceries have to be bought, bought bills have to be paid grass has to be mowed cars and and houses and clothes have to be Clean because they get dirty. People have to be attended to. Families have to be ministered to. Jobs have to be accomplished. We we have to take on the responsibility of of faithfulness. Now, we want everybody else to be faithful. But faithfulness is is hard for us. The individual. As as an individual, um, I want grace. I want some wiggle room. I don't want to have to... To be faithful. To be there all the time. But we're, and we are uh, we certainly don't like... You know, that, that, that's the individual. But certainly we don't like it when other people are not faithful. I mean, when we go to the bank, we want that bank to be open. We want that bank to get it right. We go to a restaurant. We want our food promptly. We want service with a smile. We want that food to be hot. We want that food to be good. We want faithfulness. And we notice if it's, if it's not there. In fact, our, our society kind of depends on that, don't we? We've, we see that right now. There's a, there's a, a dearth of a baby formula. Somebody was unfaithful in, in the producing of this somewhere along the line. Faithfulness is important. Now, faithfulness is a characteristic of God himself. And faithfulness is a characteristic of God's people. We need to understand that. God has called us to roles and responsibilities. And he's called us to faithfulness. To be a a good servant of his. To be faithful. Now why is it so hard to be faithful? Because it's responsibility, right? We like our freedoms. We like our independence. We don't want to be stuck doing something else while somebody else is out there having fun. That we don't want to miss out. Sometimes it's boring to be faithful. Sometimes it's it's tedious. It's hard work. Morning, noon, and night. 365 days a year. Seven days a week. We sometimes are not faithful because we don't see progress. Maybe progress is too slow. We we don't see it, so we just give up. But sometimes it's just so slow. That it's just because we're impatient. And that goes against impatience. That's just consistent with our sinful heart. Why is faithfulness so important in a society? Well, on the individual, we learn skills. We become better and better at skills. When we are faithful at doing something, we're more skillful. And the Lord can use us in greater ways. People rely on us. Factories and Workers. Uh, or, or employees rely on us. We become better at what we do. And that, and faithfulness also shows a contentment and a rest in our own life. That we're, we're content with, with what the Lord has brought us and the responsibilities that we have. And it also, faithfulness over a long period of time can accomplish great things. Much more than just a, a flash in the pan. Faithfulness is, is much better. And it's beneficial for society. We must have faithfulness in a society. But like I said, it's characteristic of the believer. We have to build faithfulness into our life. In fact, it's a title for the believer. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1, Paul says, To the faithful in Christ. In Colossians chapter 1, to the faithful who are in Christ. Those who are loyal to Christ. Those who are in Him. Those who are loyal, faithful to His Word. Faithful to the principles that we see in His Word, lived out in their life. Faithful to His work. Faithful to His church, to His people. They're faithful. In fact, that becomes a title for the believer. In Revelation chapter 17, verse 24, we're, we're the called, we're the, the chosen, and we're the faithful. It's a characteristic of the believer to be faithful. In fact, the church depends on faithful people. The church has to have faithful people to to be able to build a church. There has to be faithfulness. People have to be faithful. There cannot just be some loose tie to God. Oh, yeah, you know, I, I like him, but it doesn't really affect my life. That, that's, that doesn't cut it. The church has to have faithful people. And it has to start with a minister. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 2, it says, In this case, moreover, it is required that a steward be found trustworthy or faithful, dependable. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2. The things which you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, Paul is telling Timothy the younger, entrust these to faithful men. Who are able to teach others also. So Timothy, you go into that church. You look at that church. You find out who are the faithful people, faithful men in that church. And you entrust your doctrine to them. You you look for the faithful and trust your doctrine to them. Then they will in turn look for faithful people and trust their doctrine to them. And it just the cycle just keeps on going. And as servants of God, of course, we want to stand before the Lord someday and hear the words, Well done, thou good and what? Faithful servant. We're called to responsibility and we want to be responsible servants of God. Now, faithfulness brings stability to our life. Faithfulness is a, is a good thing. It's like a, an anchor. It's a, a foundation. Christ compared it to the, the rock as opposed to the sand, building our principles, the, the, uh, the principles of our life on this rock. And, and it brings a stability to our life. Not a fly by the seat of your pants kind of thing. Not here or there kind of thing. But slow, steady building. And we are to be faithful to what God has called us to do. Not giving in to the circumstances of life. Not giving up. Not drifting with the the course of this world. But being faithful. And that is hard to do. Solomon said... He warned us in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 6. He said, many a men proclaim his loyalty, but who can find a trustworthy man? And some of you women are probably thinking that very same thing. Who can find a trustworthy man? I told him to do that project a long time ago, and he is just now getting to it. There's a bridge down in Beaver, isn't there? And I know you think the same thing that I think every time I go by there. I think, where are those men? The the bridge going, before you get up, going up to uh, Raleigh Hill. Where's the faithfulness? We're to be faithful. But it's characteristic of the sinner to be unfaithful. There's nothing, uh, Psalm 5 verse 9, talking about the sinner. uh, David said, there's nothing reliable in what they say. Their inward part is destruction itself. Wow, that's pretty hard. Nothing reliable. There's questionable motives. There are hidden agendas. There's, they tend to, to lie. There's manipulation of the truth. They, they want you to see things from a certain perspective. And so they'll manipulate things. They're kind of shaky, shady. Not dependable. That's the idea. That's us. All of us. We tend to be that way. Matthew chapter 5 Verse 37, though, Christ comes along and he says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And as disciples of Jesus Christ, we are to be faithful to our words. Now, that lays out a principle. And James alludes to this principle in James chapter 4, verse 13. If you want to turn there, but I'm going to read this. And there's a principle here that you need to see. Because I think it's going to affect our Genesis passage, James chapter fourteen verse thirteen. Come now, you who say today and to, today or tomorrow we will go to such and such a city and sin uh, and spend a year there and engage in business and make a profit. It's just, the emphasis. Now we, you hear this preached a lot of times, and they say, "Oh, the, the wickedness of trying to make money." And that's not the passage here. No, it's the faithfulness. Oh, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go and we're going to spend a year there. And he says, yet you do not know what your life will be like tomorrow. You are just a vapor that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. You can't control any. You think you're going to go and do this for a whole year. You, You can't even do that. And he goes on to say here. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills. If the Lord wills, we will live and also do this or that. Now, I don't know that he's coming up with some kind of formula every time we say we're going to do something. We have to say, if the Lord wills. I don't know that he's doing that. But it's the, the idea of our dependence upon the Lord. We cannot be faithful unless we're trusting the Lord. And that's the principle. Our faithfulness depends upon a reliance, a trust A complete dependence upon a faithful God. Upon a faithful God. Now, I think that's what you see in Genesis. But today we we live in a, a pretty shallow kind of Christianity. And you don't see a whole lot of faithfulness in that Christianity. Because I believe it comes down to this. They're not trusting God in that faithfulness. They'll either jump into it, as uh, James mentions a little further on, they'll jump into it and they'll just jump into it with their own arrogance or they'll not do anything and just fear. But we trust the Lord. We trust the Lord that allows us every day then to get up and to function and to do the that his, responsibilities that He's called us to do. Now, last week we started this, uh, the, the story of Noah's Ark Uh, It's a simple story. We know the story. Well, it's a story about God's wrath, though, being unleashed upon this world, destroying the world. But God preserving out from this world Noah and his family in this this little capsule of the ark. And we left him out at 150 days into the ark. And things seem to be just now getting started. And the story just continues in chapter 8. In this passage, we see the the process of disembarking from the ark. say, well, how hard can that be? Just get off the ark, right? Well, it seems to be a little longer than you would think. God's wrath has been appeased. Um, They're trying to get back to normal. They want to get into normal life again. The emphasis here, you could, you could misunderstand it. The emphasis seems to be a, on the water just uh, abating and decreasing from the earth. There's a lot of time spent on that. But I think the real structure of this passage, and to understand this passage, you need, you need to see the, the going back and forth here. You, you noticed it when I was reading it. God took the initiative. He did something. Noah then responds and he does this. God then does that. And then Noah does this. And you see the back and forth. Now what's important for you to understand. That Noah is a wonderful servant of the Lord. And this is a perfect relationship. A perfect example for us. Of the type of relationship that we are to have with the Lord. That God the faithful and Noah the trusting servant. That's what the picture is. God the faithful and Noah the trusting servant. Complete, dependent trust upon his Lord. And it goes back to the principle, what I was saying. The only way, folks, that man can truly be faithful is to genuinely trust in the faithfulness of God. The only way we can be faithful is for us to genuinely trust the faithfulness of God. Now, how can we be a, a more faithful servant, like, like Noah here? A more faithful servant to God. Let's see the, the back and forth here, the structure, the passage. And I think there's a few principles that we can learn in the process. Number one, we see God takes the initiative and it says, that God remembered Noah. God remembers Noah. There's a principle here that I want you to note. And that is that Noah knows the character of God. He knows God's faithfulness. Now let me read the passage, verses 1 to 5. But God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the cattle that were with him on the ark. And God caused a wind to to pass over the earth. And the water subsided. Also the fountains of the deep and the floodgates of the sky were closed up. And the... Rain from the sky was restrained, and the water receded steadily from the earth. And at the end of the 150 days, the water decreased. In the seventh month, and on the 17th day of the month, the ark rested upon the mountains of Ararat. And the waters decreased steadily until the 10th month. In the 10th month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains became visible. So you, you have a, a few things that are going on here. But the key to this passage is is just the simple fact that God remembered Noah. That the, the, the word remember here is not that, oh yeah, I almost forgot. I, I remembered Noah. And it's not that kind of remembering. God is not that inept. No. This is this is like a young man who has a, a date. A week away. and He probably can't stop thinking about it. And he prepares for that. He, he remembers that. And the idea is that he is ready to take action on that time. And so he's, he's remembered this. And here's the action that he takes. He just causes a wind. Causes a wind to, to come. And that, of course, causes the evaporation of the water to go back up into the atmosphere. And if you'll remember, before the flood... There was the the canopy that was around the earth. That would have caused a greenhouse effect upon the earth. There wouldn't have been as strong of an air, a a wind. There wouldn't have been as much evaporation. It would have been a, a lot more moist and a A Uniform climate there But now that that's gone Because of the flood All that water come crashing down onto the earth That is gone Now God sends a wind Probably a strong wind Now don't get this confused with the Holy Spirit Some people are saying Well the the wind there is the same word for Holy Spirit Or Spirit The Holy Spirit was recreating I, I don't think you need to stretch any of that It's just evaporation This is a stronger evaporation So the waters will evaporate more quickly. And, and what happened then. The result of that. Is that the ark rested upon the mountains of Ararat. About 17,000 feet. The mountains, the mountain range of Ararat. Would have uh, been in northern Turkey or Armenia. And there's a, a whole mountain range. that's just south of Russia. Uh, and that's where the ark rested. And it was because the water was deep. Uh, decreasing, but again, what you see here is the faithfulness of God, and it 's just dis- displayed here. God is a faithful God; it is part of his character it 's part of his nature. in fact, if, if he were not, uh, if he were not faithful, he would not be God in Second Timothy chapter two, verse thirteen. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. Being unfaithful would deny himself. And he's not like that. He cannot stop being God. Noah knew the character of God. And I believe that's the key. Noah relied on God. He knew, he knew God's faithfulness. That God is faithful in all things. And He is faithful in all times. Noah could be faithful. Because he trusted in a faithful God. And that's the principle. He trusted de- completely. He, he was dependent upon this God. In Deuteronomy chapter seven, verse nine, you see some of these scripture passages. Know therefore that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps his covenant with his loving kindness to a thousandth generation. With those who love him and keep his commandments. He is a, a faithful God. Psalm chapter 89, verse 8, O Lord God of hosts, who is like you? O mighty Lord, your faithfulness surrounds you. It's like your clothing. This is part of him, his faithfulness. And Psalm chapter 36, verse 5, Your loving kindness, O Lord, extends to the heaven, your faithfulness reaches to the sky. Lamentation chapter 5, verse 22. The Lord's loving kindness indeed never ceases. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. We serve a faithful God. How often do we note God's faithfulness? Did you notice that you woke up this morning? Did you notice that the sun came out this morning? Did you notice that it, it got brighter? Did you notice there was still oxygen in the air? (laughs) We're taking advantage of God's faithfulness. I like what uh, Arthur Pink says. How blessed is it to, to lift up our eyes above the scene of ruin that we see here on this earth and see a faithful God. He is there He is faithful. And we're called to know that he is faithful. He is faithful. We rely on it. We depend upon his faithfulness. Noah knew that God was faithful and he trusted in God. Now, look at Noah's response in verse 6. This is Noah's response. And what we see is is Noah trusts God in spite of the circumstances. In spite of what he sees. Now, notice this in verse 6. Then it came about at the end of the 40 days that Noah opened the window of the ark, which he had made, and he sent out a raven, and it flew here and there until the waters had dried up from the earth. Then he sent out a dove from him to see if the waters had abated from the face of the land. And the dove found no resting place for her foot, so she returned to him into the ark, for the water was on the surface of the, all the earth. Then he put her, his uh, hand, and took her and brought her into the ark to himself. So he waited another seven days and again sent out the dove from the ark. And the dove came to him toward evening. Notice that. <clears throat> and behold, in her beak was. A freshly picked olive leaf. So Noah knew that the waters was abating from the earth. Then he waited another seven days and sent out a dove. But she did not return to him again. So you see what's happening here. God, uh, Noah notices that God is at work. He notices that the water is, is decreasing. So he begins to watch. And he begins to see patterns. And so he, he's going to test this. He's going to measure what's happening here. Um, now what's happening is the water is decreasing. The earth is, is being reshaped at this point. If you think about it, this is when the Grand Canyon was, was cut right through that rock. That water was rushing out. Rushing off. The Grand Canyon was cut. Half domed. Was being formed, the plains were being were being uh, leveled as a plateau. These things were happening, and Noah was wanting to chart this. Now, can you imagine on the ark? There's probably a, not a, not a whole lot happening, and so these were pretty significant landmarks. Verse four that the earth uh, that the ark came to rest. That was a day of celebration. They felt stable again, stability. Verse five, the tops of the mountain were visible. It's evident that, that God is working here. Slowly, but God is, is working. Verse 7. He sent out a raven. To test it. Now, ravens are scavengers. They can eat anything. So they he'd probably kind of come and go. And, and he could test that. Maybe even come back to the edge of the ark. But never come back into the ark. Verse 8. He sent out a dove. Came back nothing. Verse 10. sent out another dove. He then brings back an olive leaf. Well, something's happening. We see progress. Verse 12, sends out a dove, dove doesn't return. Verse 13, then he disembarks from the ark. And, and what Noah is doing, he's seeing the circumstances. He's, he's understanding, he, he says, I trust God, I see what you're doing. And he's going to note these things, and he re- probably records these things. These are significant days. But Noah is noticing the circumstances of his life. Noticing how God is at work in his life. uh, Can you imagine what it's like inside the ark? If it were me, I would be ready to get off that ark by this time. Can you imagine the the smells? All those animals? The the sounds? The the darkness? The the flies? The, The jobs that have to be done every day? I would say they would all want to get off that ark. They all might even want to be like Job's wife, who just says, enough, just curse God and and die. But there's safety in the ark. So they stay in the ark. Noah was observing what God was doing. And the thing is, it was a slow pace. Do you think, I mean, if it were me, I would be praying, Lord, make this go faster. Lord, just do a miracle. Don't wait on nature to do it. You just do it. You just make it happen. Now, folks, there's times in our life that we're kind of like this. That our faith wanes. That that we don't... We look at the circumstances in our life, and they don't seem to match up with God's promise to love us. And we think, God, are you loving us? Could Could you do it a little more? Could you do it a little faster? But it is in these times... It is in these times when our character is revealed, so that we can see our character, what we're really like, and so that we can make changes. It's at these times where Noah is either going to trust God or not trust God. He's going to trust God or he's going to complain. Complain about the treatment of himself on this ark. And today, I believe that our focus would have been not on the safety within the ark, but the discomfort in the ark. I mean, I I would be coming off this cruise liner and saying, I'm never going to get on that cruise liner again, right? It's it's just not going to happen. It's not comfortable. It's it's uh, It's not fun anymore. But he was trusting God, he was not complaining. He didn't get off the boat complaining. In fact, you think, how would Noah shepherd his family? What would he be saying to his family at this time? Maybe the same attitude that, that the author of Hebrews said, said this. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Let us hold fast, hold fast. Just grab it and just hang on to this promise. The confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. He's going to do it, guys. He's doing it. You see him at work? Oh, it's, it's too slow. No, you see him. He's he's doing. It. He's working. He's faithful. You see what's happening? So he's ministering to his family. I think he would have that kind of attitude. In Psalm chapter one, nineteen, verse seventy-five, I know, O Lord, that your justice or your your judgments are righteous, and that your faithfulness, that in faithfulness you have afflicted me, even in your. Even in my affliction. Even when the circumstances of my life doesn't look like you love me. I know that you love me. I know because you are a faithful God. And then compare that with 2 Timothy 2, verse 19. Nevertheless, the, the firm foundation of God stands. Having this seal that the Lord knows those who are His. Folks, that's what we hang on to. That's the promise in this life. Now folks, there's a life to come. But we hang on to this promise. That the Lord knows us. And we just hang on. And we know that He is faithful. He knows us and He is going to be faithful to us. And Noah, I believe, he began to watch the circumstances of his life. The the, the noise and stuff that's going on inside the ark. But he sees God at work. He sees the water going down slowly, slowly. And he's trusting the Lord. Trusting the Lord. Number three. The next thing we see is that God... Keeps his promise to Noah. Verse 13. Now. Now it came about on the 601st year. In the first month of the first of the month. The waters dried up. Finally. From the earth. Then Noah removed the covering of the ark. And looked. And behold the surface of the ground was dried up. In the second month. In the 27th day of the month. The earth was dry. Then the Lord spoke to, Mo, to Noah, saying, "Go out from go out of the ark. You and your wives and your sons and your sons' wives with you. And bring out all, bring out with you every living thing of all flesh that is with you, birds, and animals, every creeping thing that is creeping upon the earth, that they may breed abundantly. There's a fresh start here on the earth." And be fruitful and multiply. So Noah went out and his sons and his wife and sons' wives with him. And every every beast, every creeping thing, every bird, everything that moves upon the earth went out. Notice, just by their families from the ark. Just love that. The Lord thinks family is important. Noah and his family finally get off the ark. All of those animals, can you imagine, just unleashing all of those animals off. 378 days total that they were on the ark. First steps. Now this would be been a new world for Noah. A different kind of climate. This climate was different. It, it's subject to, to storms and severe weather. Extreme heat and extreme cold. Tornadoes and earthquakes and natural disasters that, that he had never seen before. God's wrath had been appeased though. The the ground had been cleansed. This earth had been cleansed, purged uh, from the the spilling of blood from those uh, human violence. Remember that we talked about earlier. And what you don't see here is the description of what what the devastation was like. You you see the the promise. You see the growth. You see the reestablishment of life and and the promise of God to be fruitful and multiply. He is going to do that. The emphasis here is just that God kept His promise. What was His promise? If you go back to Genesis chapter 6 and verse 17, He says, Behold, and this is God talking to Noah, He says, I, even I, am bringing the flood of water upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which is the breath of life from under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall perish, but I will establish my covenant with you, then you shall enter the ark, that place of safety. And you and your sons and your, son and your wife and your son's wife with you. And at every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every kind to keep them alive. There's life. Everything else died. Everybody that was on the ark, everything that was on the ark came through that time of, of wrath. God kept His promise. He is a promise-keeping God. He is faithful God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 24. You see these verses on the screen. Faithful is He who called you, who will also bring it to pass. He is a God who doesn't just start something and then, and then stops. Can you imagine cutting grass and, it, and just right, right in the middle, you just, you just say, ah, I'm tired of cutting grass, I don't want to cut grass. It's going to be obvious, right? You just stop. Have high grass and have low grass. It's going to be... Look, if I drive by your house and it's like that, I'm going to be disappointed, right? We don't start something unless we know we can complete it. God doesn't start something unless He finishes it. That's His character. If He began a good work in you, He is going to complete it. Take hold of that fact. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse, thir- verse 12. For this reason I... Also, Paul says, I suffer. I also suffer these things because I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I have believed. And I am convinced that he is able to guard what I've entrusted to him until that day. What did Paul entrust? His own soul to God. He says, I trust him. I trust him. He's a faithful God. And I trust him with other souls. I entrust that God. And of course, we see in Romans chapter 8. Those whom He predestined, He also called. Those whom He called, He also justifies. Those whom He justifies, He also glorified. And that's in past tense. In the mind of God, it's already completed. That's our God, folks. He is a faithful God. God keeps His promise. We will not always be on this earth, folks. God has promised a heaven. He has promised a home in heaven. A place in heaven for His his people. And we must look to that time. God is a faithful God. And He's faithful all the way to the end. That's our God. We hold on to that promise. So so Noah, he he waited on God. And the timing came and it was completed. And one last thing I want you to just notice. In verse, verse 20. Then Noah built an altar... This is the proper response, right? He, he built an altar to the Lord and took every it took of every clean animal and every clean bird and offered burnt offering to the Lord or, uh, burnt offering on the altar. Then the Lord smelled the soothing aroma and the Lord said to himself, I will never again curse the ground on account of man for the intent of man's heart is evil, and this is a this is a condition of their heart from his youth. And I will never again destroy every living thing on as I have done. While the earth remains, and this is it, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, he's going to be faithful. Day, night, week in, week out, And it says, never shall cease, shall never cease. The Lord is just recommitting Himself to His own faithfulness. In spite of man's depravity. He should just wipe the whole world off every thousand years. And just clean it and and just start all over. And He says, no, I'm not going to do that. Not going to do that. I'm going to be patient with man. The human heart, the human condition is so depraved. But he, he recommits himself, recommits himself to common grace. Even on sinful man, his son is going to come out. His the, the, the crops are going to grow. There's going to be night. There's going to be day. There's going to be harvest. There's going to be food for them. I'm going to provide for them, even though man is sinful. Note the first thing that Noah does when he gets off the ark, what does he do? He offers to the Lord. He, he worships to the Lord. He worships the Lord. There's a an altar that's built and he sacrifices these meager animals that he has with him. He's faithful to the Lord. The only way, folks, the only way that we can be <clears throat> truly faithful to God is to trust in a faithful God. Noah was grateful. He'd come off the ark. He wasn't complaining, but he was grateful. He he offered these offerings to the Lord. And folks, if this story reminds us of anything, we're we're waiting. We're waiting. We're waiting in Christ. God, at the beginning of time, in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, He says, I'm going to send a Savior. And in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, we see, but at just the, the fullness of time, God sent His Son. We look back at that and say, See, God keeps His promise. He's a promise keeping God. And we know He promised to come back. And folks, we we will be with Him when He comes. We will be going with Him. We're called to be faithful. We're called to be faithful. And the only way we can be faithful is to trust Him. Trust Him. Let me leave you with one verse. It's 1 Peter chapter 4. Verse 19. This, this verse will pull it all together. First Peter chapter 4 verse 19. Therefore, those also who suffer according to the will of God. Shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator. In doing what is right. That's, Noah was the epitome of that. He entrusted his soul. Entrusted his family to God. He just did what was right. He was faithful to do what was right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, I just thank You for this example. What a godly man. Oh Lord, may we all rise to this level of trusting You. Not just say we trust, not some kind of loose connection to You, but genuinely trust You on a daily basis. Exercise faith in You. Because you are a faithful God. You are God to be trusted. You complete what you start. Lord, we thank you for the story. We thank you for for exposing us to what you have done. So that we can see your character. And Lord, as we go through difficult times. And as our character is revealed. I pray, Lord. That we would see that we are faithful to you. Lord, we can only do that within your strength. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.